Good stuff. All right. Well, I'm just going to pray to start us off. You guys could bow your heads. Jesus, I thank you uh, for another day. I thank you for another day that we get to serve you, for another day that we get the opportunity uh, to learn more about you. Thank you that we get to be at this place called Summit. We get to be free to learn about you uh, in community with one another, Father. I thank you for your scripture, and I thank you for uh, how your Holy Spirit reveals truths uh, through your through your scripture to us. And I pray that this morning, as we look at your scripture, uh, that we would learn more about you. We would learn more about what it looks like to be uh, a follower of Jesus. I pray that you would speak through me. I pray that we'd be receptive uh, to hear uh, what it is that you want to say. In your name, amen. Guys, who in here has been to Science World in Vancouver? Yeah, okay, good, 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 good. Guys, I love Science World. So sick, so sick. So if you don't know what Science World is, Science World is, uh, Science World is like, it's Science World. Uh, it's a place, it, like downtown Vancouver, it's like that big, like, ball-looking building, kind of looks like a golf ball thing. Um, anyways, you go there, it's, it's mostly for kids, uh, but there's like a ton of really cool, like, displays and, like, shows, and there's like an IMAX in there, and it's all about, like, obviously it's all about science. Anyways, I'm not going to talk to you too much about that, but... Uh, I took my niece and my nephew there a couple weeks ago. And so at, I have a niece and a nephew. Uh, Alexis is my niece. She's 10 years old. And Aaron, he's my nephew. He's 7 years old. And, uh, and for Christmas, we bought them tickets to go to Science World. Um, we like to do more, like, experiential gifts for them because it's a little bit more fun. Last year, we took them to Victoria on the ferry. First time they'd done that. And so this year, we took them to, uh, we took them to Science World. We went to Surrey Central, got on the SkyTrain and drove there. It was sweet, a lot of fun, science world, not going to talk too much about that, uh, but I, I'm going to talk a little bit more about our transit there. Oh, hey, Courtney. I'm going to talk a little bit more about our transit there. Um, we, we rode on the SkyTrain from Surrey to Vancouver, and for those of you that have driven on the SkyTrain, or actually public transit in general, you know that there's a lot of interesting people on public transit. A lot of interesting people. Um... Anyways, so we're riding on the SkyTrain on the way there. I'm sitting by, beside my niece, Alexis, the 10-year-old, and, and Vicky and Aaron are a little bit down the train. They're looking out the front like window of it because my, uh, my nephew had never been on a SkyTrain before, so they're like right at the front looking out the window. I think it's super sweet. Um, anyways, sitting there with my niece and uh, at like a couple stops in from Surrey, like this, this older gentleman walks on. He's probably about 60 years old, Caucasian guy. Uh, it means he's a super white guy, um, <laughs> sits down across from us, and like immediately is just like, oh, like this looks like kind of an interesting guy, um, stereotyping him. Uh, and then a few moments later, after he comes in, I think it was like maybe the next stop, another gentleman comes in who I would say is like, I don't know, late 20s. Uh, I'm not good at this, but he's probably from somewhere between like the Middle East to South Asia, that's all I'll say there. Uh, and he stands like beside this older guy, and uh, immediately this this Caucasian guy, this white guy, like looks at him, and he's like, "Oh yeah, like I'm gonna start chatting with this guy. Like I got an in here." And he just like starts like saying random Arabic words and like random Arabic sentences and phrases that he knows. And uh, in my mind, I'm like, "Whoa, like you're brave. I wouldn't do that." And this like this guy, this uh, 
this guy's like standing there looking at him, and he's like, like I have no idea what you're saying. I speak Punjabi, and and in my mind, I'm like, oh, that's super embarrassing. That's super embarrassing that you would just go for that, but whatever. Uh, and the like, Caucasian guy just doesn't even like doesn't even register that that was awkward and embarrassing, but just like keeps going, keeps going. And it wasn't too long until the conversation somehow got to religion. I'm not sure how they jumped from just languages to religion, but it went there. And this like this guy sitting across from my niece and I, just out of nowhere, he's like, "Oh yeah, like I I really appreciate the Hindu religion, and I think it's really great." And just like blatantly starts talking about how false Christianity is. Talking about how like, oh yeah, like scripture, like there's so many uh, inconsistencies in there. Like uh, like Jesus was, definitely wasn't the king. Like anybody who follows Christianity is like pretty dumb if they actually believe that stuff. Because it just doesn't add up. It just doesn't make sense. And I like look over at my niece who who's sitting beside me. And she, she's just like, her eyes are like glued on this guy. And she's listening to every word he says. And I'm like, oh man, like... Like, I'm concerned. Like, I don't know. Like, if she's ever heard anybody talk this blatantly and, like, denying Jesus as Lord, like, denying the Christian faith. Like, has she ever heard anyone talk like this before? And, and I'm, like, concerned. I'm, like, I don't know what to do right now. Uh, I'm not going to, like, say anything right now or else it might be, like, escalate it, make it, like, a little bit awkward. Um, but I was concerned. And so later that day, we, we went to Science World. We had a blast. Um, go. If you've never been, make sure you go. And we came home, we drove on the Sky Train uh, back to Surrey, and then jumped in the car, started driving home. And as soon as we got in the car, I was like, okay, like I should take an opportunity to kind of like debrief what happened earlier in the day with her, like talk through uh, that conversation. And so we did. I just asked her, I was like, hey, Lex, like, uh, like Aaron was there too, but he didn't really, he wasn't part of that conversation. So I didn't really ask him. But um, like, Lex, like, what'd you think of that guy on the Sky Train that was, that was talking uh, across from us? And she's like, oh, yeah, like, that guy was really weird. And I was like, okay, 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 sure. Uh, like, what else, like, what'd you think about the stuff that he was saying? And she's like, oh, like, he was wrong about a lot of things. And I was like, yeah, like, you're right. He was wrong, <laughs> he was wrong about a lot of things. Uh, and we were able to actually, like, talk about it for a little bit. And, and it, was, it was really sweet. She ended up praying for him on the drive back home, um, which was really special. Um, but the more I thought about this, I was, like, surprised, and I was, like, relieved that, like, okay, yeah, like, she's got a good enough head on her shoulders to not, like, stumble and fall just because this one guy's, you know, blatantly talking about how false Christianity is and talking, like, just making these claims. I was like, okay, good, 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 good. We're okay. Um, But the more that I thought about it, uh, and the more, even in the context of the scripture that we're going to be looking at today, the more that I I realized that I, I think what I should be more concerned about when it comes to my niece is the subtle voices, uh, the subtle voices that are continuously claiming things and saying things to her that are not true, the, the subtle voices that are continuously uh, communicating that Jesus is not on the throne, that Jesus isn't the king, uh, and, and I should be more concerned about those things that maybe aren't as noticeable. They're not as blatant as that guy on the sky train that's saying, you know, Christianity is false. I even, in the last little bit here, I've watched a couple of Disney movies with her and taken in a little bit of entertainment that she takes in. Some of it's like ridiculously stupid, but uh, <laughs> I like even a few Disney movies. And you know, at first when you watch these things and you engage, you're like, oh, like this is innocent. Like this is like you know just good family fun. 
good stuff. Uh, but the more that I've like thought about some of the messages that come across in some of this entertainment, even for little kids, the more I see messages that uh, really deny Christian truths and Christian values. They come across as innocent, but I see messaging that says, like, pursue enlightenment. Walk away from tradition and what, you know, your family has followed and just, like, pursue your own path. I see messages that say, uh, you're perfect just the way you are, and so just embrace it. I see messages that say, find your happiness from within. You don't need anything else but yourself. And again, at first, when you first see it in these shows, you're like, oh, like, this is good stuff. But I believe it's ultimately the enemy slowly deceiving and slowly putting things into uh, even young children's minds that leads us away from the truth and the reality of who Jesus is. I think deception often comes in the subtle things. And I think for us, we'd be naive to believe that just because we are maybe students in a Christian community like Summit, we're submerged in it, I think we'd be naive to believe that we are immune to that, that we're immune to being deceived by the works of the enemy. And I, I, I really don't think that's true. We read even in Scripture, we're warned that uh, the enemy wants to deceive us. The enemy wants to deceive us as believers, that, he, that Jesus isn't who he said he was. We read even in Matthew, in the later sections, Matthew 24, Jesus is warning some of his disciples. And he's telling them, like, hey, guys, as we, as we get closer to the end times, as we get closer to the end of this, the enemy's going to be, like, working at you. He's going to be trying to take you off the path. He's going to try to deceive you. There's going to be false prophets and false teachers out there. There's going to be people that are proclaiming uh, false gospels. And you guys need to make sure that you're standing firm. In John 10.10, the Gospel John 10.10, we read, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. In 1 Peter 5, uh, verse 8, we read, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. It's real stuff, and I don't think we're immune to it. Deception in of itself is deceiving. Deception isn't, I don't think deception's the guy on the sky train all the time. That's just like blatant and obvious. It's slower than that, and it's a progress, I think, a slippery slope that, that continuously leads us away from what we know is true. I haven't been around very long. I'm only like 25 years old, and so I haven't had a lot of ex- life experience. I'm still like a punk. Um, but even in the short amount of time that I have been alive, I've already seen friends and family, specifically friends from, like, that have left this place in a short amount of years. I've been here since like 2012 or something, so like just about seven years now. In that amount of time, I've already seen people graduate from this place, leave this place, and within months, years, walk away from their faith. I'm like, that's so weird to me um, that you can be in a Christian culture, Christian context, submerged in it, you know, in this greenhouse, if you will, uh, for this amount of time, and walk away from here and fall away from your faith. I look at family members, immediate family member, uh, referencing one family member who grew up in the exact same Christian home that I did, exact same Christian values that were uh, given to me, invested into me my whole life, and I've seen this individual walk away from faith completely. We even look at some churches and denominations in North America 
brothers and sisters in Christ and entire denominations that have compromised scriptural truths about who Jesus is. They've said, oh, yeah, we'll we'll take these things of scripture, but we're going to leave those pieces out because, you know, those don't apply. Or those aren't, uh, that's not actually what Jesus was meaning there. But in all of these examples, I I don't think it was an instantaneous decision that, oh yeah, Jesus actually uh, isn't this way. This isn't actually Jesus. Jesus actually isn't on the throne in this way. I think it was a progressive thing that slowly happened, which led to them being at that point. Letting go of the truth of who Christ was. Culture is continuously trying to lead us away, trying to replace Jesus on the throne in our hearts, trying to take the throne in our hearts. What is trying to replace Jesus in your, your heart? So as you know, uh, we're working through 1 John uh, in these Monday mornings and Thursday mornings uh, here in the chapel. Um, <clears throat> And the, the passage of scripture that I'm reading from is uh, 1 John chapter 2, 18 to 27, 18 to 27. Um, when I first saw that this was the passage that I was reading, the, the title of this in my Bible is Warning Concerning Antichrist. And I was like, sweet, I get to preach on the Antichrist. Lucky me. <laughs> um, just uh, fire left behind in the VHS and we'll just watch that. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, anyways. So I was like, okay, sweet. Like, I get to preach on the Antichrist. This is going to be uh, really good, my favorite. And so, and so, um, <laughs> uh, I'm just going to give a, before, before I jump into it, because it's, it's not actually that bad. The more, more time I spent reading this is actually like, it's great. It's great. Hold on. Um, but just to give us a recap, a little bit of background. I know we've been working through this uh, for the last few weeks, so we already know a bit. But uh, John is writing this. Uh, he's writing this to the house churches. I think they're somewhere around Ephesus area at the time. And uh, each of these letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, are all uh, a bit of a letter in response to something that's happened within the church. There's been some, something that's come up, and he's been like, okay, like, I got to deal with this. Almost like a bit of a, what's the word, uh, like a damage control or like responding to a crisis. And so uh, specifically in 1st in John, uh, the issue here was that uh, there was some false Christology being taught within the church. And so his response is to write this letter and to communicate like, okay, no, this is like right Christology. This is what you should know about Christ. And so that's kind of like the backdrop here, what's going on. And so I'm going to read, uh, again, chapter 2, 18 to 27. I'm going to read a couple verses and then like pause, and I'm going to work my way through it. All right, starting in 18, we read, Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they all were not of us. And so there were these Antichrists, like plural, uh, that were within the church at this time. They were present, uh, but they have since left. They've departed They've gone out from the church. Back to verse 20. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. So here, uh, John is saying, you guys know the truth. You know who Jesus is. You have received Christ, and because you've received Christ, you also have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in you. Verse 22. 
Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. Uh, no one who denies the Son has the Father. Who confess, whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has made to us, eternal life. And so in these uh, three verses, he's saying the Antichrist is the one who denies Jesus as the king, the one on the throne. Uh, don't let what you've heard from the beginning, so you, you know truth, you've learned who Jesus is, so don't let go of that, because at the end of all of this lies eternal life. Is like an eternal reward, so don't let go of it. Verse 26 and 27, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie just as it has been taught to you, abide in him. To be honest, when I read this, uh, I was thinking like, okay, like, how is this relevant to me? You know, like, like John, I don't, I don't see any antichrist knocking on my door. Like, I don't see any antichrist in my church trying to convince me of this false Christology that you're talking about. Like, how is this passage of scripture relevant to me? How is this relevant to, you know, a bunch of students at uh, Bible college? How is this relevant? Um, the more time that I spent reading this and the more time I spent uh, praying about this and reading some commentaries and really investigating what the scripture meant, the more I realized that this, these antichrists that John is referencing is, is something that I think I engage with and I encounter on a daily basis. I think when I hear the word antichrist... Um, I think of like, you know, a noun, I think of a singular noun, like this one person who is, you know, going to come at the end of times, he's going to, you know, super bad guy, he's going to come and like, you know, deceive everyone, all of this stuff. Uh, But I think in the passage here, well, it's pretty obvious in the passage here that it's used a little bit more broadly. It's used a little bit more broadly. And I think when I, when I read the definition and when I research this word, uh, it broadens it up because I, a few things are consistent when I look at the definition of this word. The Antichrist can be anything that really denies Jesus as being the one on the throne. Antichrist is uh, anything that's against Jesus, so an enemy of Jesus, or anything that wants to replace Jesus. Anything that is against Jesus, denies Jesus, wants to replace Jesus. Those were consistent things that I found when I was looking at this word. And I, I look at our North American culture and I think, all of those things are relevant within our culture. Within our culture, in North America, it wants to deny Jesus, it's against Jesus, and it wants to replace Jesus. It wants to put something else on the throne, elevate other things instead of him. I think the majority of our uh, culture is Antichrist. Though we might not know who the Antichrist is that's to come at the end, I think we have encountered uh, Antichrists within our culture. 
And when we go back to the scripture here in in 1 John, uh, just as this church experienced the work of the enemy aiming to deny Christ as it was teaching, you know, a false Christology, uh, though the words may be different for us, may it be, it might not be the exact same false Christology that we're being taught, I believe the message is still similar. The message is still similar uh, for us. And I think some of the message that maybe some of us are hearing even within this place is that it's okay to lower your standards for what it looks like to live like Christ. Maybe the message that you're hearing is it's okay to justify your behavior. Maybe the message that you're hearing is, you know, your sin is a part of who you are. It's not really going to leave you. You just have to live with it. Maybe the message that you're hearing is that maybe your mental or your physical illness is just, uh, it's bigger than Jesus' healing power, and it's just going to be consistent with you for the rest of your life. Maybe the message that you're hearing is that your leadership and your giftings are, are going to be the answer to the local church that you're going to serve in when you graduate from here. I think these are just a few examples of our anti-Christ culture trying to communicate to us something that is untrue. What's consistent is I think there's something that is always trying to replace Christ, put Christ, uh, remove Christ from the throne and put something else in his place. What are the subtle voices in your life that are trying to deceive you from the truth of the gospel? It's subtle. It's in the little things. It's in the entertainment that we take in, in the TV shows. It's in the, in the music. It's, it's in, in politics. It's in our education system. It's consistent little things that slowly lead us away from what we know is true. And though, <clears throat> although uh, John's message here is one of a warning, it's one of warning the, the church here about you know, false Christology and about these deceivers that, have coming, that are coming in and trying to communicate a different message. I think uh, that if we left off on kind of the negative here, if we left off on this place of just recognizing, like, the issue at hand, I think we would miss out on what John is trying to communicate here. Because uh, th- though it is a warning, I think that there's also an element of encouragement that comes in this passage of Scripture. And I don't think we can leave that out. We see in verse 20, he says... You've been anointed, and you know the truth. You guys already have been anointed, and you already know the truth. John tells the church that since they have accepted Jesus, they have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in them. And this enables them to know the truth. It enables them to know the truth and abide in Jesus. And the same goes for us. Despite our culture, uh, you know, the culture of this anti-Christ Uh, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You guys have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which allows us to have the strength to abide in the Spirit. Before I got, before I proposed to Vicky, uh, I know there's like lots of jokes, like, oh, it's taking so long, took you forever. Um, And it it took me a while. It took me quite a while. Um, And then, yeah, there's like a few reasons why it took me a while. But one of the main reasons why it took me so long to propose to Vic wasn't because I questioned if I really loved her, but rather I was really, really fearful. I was really, really fearful because of the commitment of a lifelong uh, thing, like a lifelong relationship of like 
I need to remain righteous. I need to remain holy. I need to remain steadfast in this one relationship for the rest of my life. I've never made a commitment that big besides accepting Jesus into my heart. I don't have a tattoo. I've never made a commitment. (laughs) I've never made a commitment that big before. And I'm like, in a world that is as crazy as it is, in a world where there's constantly voices that are trying to deceive me, how do I keep Jesus on the throne in my life for the sake of, like, our marriage? My stupid decisions and my actions don't only impact me now, now they impact somebody else. And so how do I remain? How do I stay steadfast? And I was fearful because I was like, I don't know how to do that. I've already seen marriages fall apart. I've already seen other marriages fall apart in this world, and I'm like, how do I know that I'm any better than those people? I didn't see it coming for them. How am I going to see that coming from me? And I was overwhelmed by this reality. This world is so deceiving. This world is so anti-Christ. There's always things that are trying to replace Jesus on the throne in my life. How do I do it? And I mean, I'm married to Vic now, so I obviously work through some of these things. (laughs) But what really changed for me, and it it didn't happen instantaneously, but it was this realization that I'm anointed. It's this realization that I'm anointed by the Holy Spirit. That I don't walk through any of this. I don't walk through my relationship, my marriage with Victoria alone. But the Holy Spirit resides in me. It's anointed me, and it, it gives me the ability to be able to watch, walk righteously, to continue to keep Jesus on the throne in my heart. I don't have to take it all on my own. I don't do it all on my own strength but I can rest in him knowing that he leads me on the pathway of righteousness. His Holy Spirit is continuously with me. It indwells in me. Though that commitment's big, like Christ is right there with me. And I look back, you know, to to those marriages that I have seen already fall apart. uh, Or, you know, I referenced earlier, like friends who have left here and family who have... uh, you know, walked away from Jesus, or we look at even some of these churches uh, that have, you know, compromised those scriptural truths. And I think what is very consistent in these, uh, from my perspective at least, is that in each of these situations, I think these people have lost touch of their relationship with the Holy Spirit. I think they've lost touch of uh, relationship with the Holy Spirit. They might know uh, some truth, but I I think that they've really lost touch of what it means to be anointed and, and to walk that out. And because of that, they've compromised other areas. And they've allowed this anti-Christ culture to deceive them, to believe something else is greater than Christ. But for us, as you know, lead, currently leaders and, and future leaders, as Bible college students, as you know, staff even at Bible college, let's be people that you know, don't follow that path that don't allow ourselves to be deceived by this world, but recognize that we have a Holy Spirit that is desiring to abide within us. We have a Holy Spirit uh, that wants to remain in us, that has already anointed us, that it's not on our strength to, to remain on this path. It's not under our strength that we're even able to ensure that we're never deceived. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we have this strength. Without the work of the Holy Spirit, I think it would be very overwhelming to 
pursue the Christian life. I think it would actually be terrifying if we didn't have the Holy Spirit to think that when I leave Summit, when I leave this place, I have to remain, I have to abide, I have to stay steadfast. If it was all me, that would be terrifying. I think that would be terrifying for anyone. Maybe it's easier here, but you know, and for some of you in a couple months when you're gone from here, that would be terrifying. But it doesn't need to be terrifying because you don't do it alone. None of us do it alone. We need to continue to cultivate our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I believe that as we cultivate our relationship with the Holy Spirit, we're able to discern those uh, deceiving voices in our culture. And ultimately, we're able to have a confidence and assurance that we're saved by Jesus Christ. That we know truth because of him. And so, I don't have necessarily three points to follow this. But I would say my actionable here is just simple. And I think we know it, but it's to spend time in his presence and, and to read the word, to, to know that truth. And really, it's the Holy Spirit that shows us the truth in that scripture. It's the Holy Spirit that shows us like what is, is trying to be communicated in this Bible. So my actionable is, is spend time in his presence and in his word. My last thing uh, that I want to say is that you guys are the voices of John. As John was communicating to this church, was reminding them of the truth, reminding them of their anointing, you guys are going to be that when you leave this place. And maybe you're already that now. Some of you are uh, serving in different ministries where you're already that voice to to maybe young people, to children, to maybe even adults uh, who have this antichrist culture that's trying to uh, feed them false truths about Christology about who Jesus is is, and what should actually be on the throne in their lives. Uh, And you guys are the ones that need to be the ones reminding them that, no, you guys know the truth. You have the anointing. You know the truth. Abide in him. Abide in him. Remain in him. And so I think this is even that much more weighty. It's even that much more, uh, there's even that much more of a yoke to this message because uh, not only does this impact you guys, but this impacts those that you lead. You guys need to abide in the Holy Spirit. You guys need to walk in your anointing and remember that truth, not only for your sake, but for the sake of your church, for the sake of your youth, for the sake of your ministries. There's a responsibility on you that you are abiding first and foremost. And then from there, I believe that will impact your ministry. The Holy Spirit resides in us. It indwells in every one of us. I'm going to pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for residing in us. Thank you, Jesus, for sending your Spirit to live within us. Thank you that we don't have to do this life on our own. That There's no path of righteousness that is on one person's shoulders, any human anyways. But we thank you that our path of righteousness, our our lifelong dedication and commitment to you is only achievable because of your spirit's activity and presence in our lives. Thank you that you reside in each person in this place, that you abide in us. And because of that, we're able to abide in you. 
Holy Spirit, I pray that each person in here would just continue to cultivate a relationship with your Holy Spirit, that there would be a continued increase in knowledge of truth, of who you are, Father, and the, the group of people in this room would not be one of those statistics, uh, would not be one of those people uh, that have walked away from you, that have fallen away from uh, the truth and lost touch of their relationship with the Holy Spirit, but I pray that we would leave here and that on each of these people's deathbeds, we'd be able to remember that there's eternal life at the end of this all because we've abided in you, we've remained in you. Holy Spirit, continue to do your work in our hearts, continuing to make us righteous, continuing to allow us to discern the false voices in our culture that are trying to lead us astray and to be able to run from those things. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Thank you.